Hello, creators. Save the date for our 2024 Creator Circle Retreat happening September 23rd through 26th in Vancouver, Washington, United States. Registration is open and the early bird deadline is March 15th. The 2024 Creator Circle Retreat will be four days of restoration and rejuvenation for yourself and your business. And you can find all of the details at wellnesscentercreators.com slash retreats, where you can also click to apply. As always, feel free to email with questions anytime at kendall at wellnesscentercreators.com. And lastly, it's important to note that the retreat is limited to 20 people and everyone from last year is getting ready to register again. So jump on it. As health and wellness providers, we know that better patient outcomes require a whole person, multidisciplinary approach that we just can't provide on our own. That's why I've started the Wellness Center Creators Podcast. I'll be bringing you interviews with experts, tips, tricks, secrets, resources, systems, and solutions so that you don't have to reinvent the wheel. And creating your wellness center won't feel like starting over. Before we jump into today's episode, let's give a shout out to our sponsor, Jane, a clinic management software and EMR. Whether you're just starting to do your research or you've been contemplating switching your software for a while now, the Jane team understands that the process can feel intimidating. That's why their goal is to provide you with all the onboarding resources you need to make the switch as smooth as possible. Jane offers a personalized call to set up your account, a free date import, and a variety of online resources to get you up and running quickly. And if you need a helping hand along the way, you'll have access to unlimited phone, email, and chat support included in your Jane subscription. If you're interested in learning more, book a one-on-one demo at jane.app slash switch. And if you decide to make the switch, don't forget to use the code wellness1mo at sign up to receive a one-month grace period on your new Jane account. Welcome back, everyone, to the Wellness Center Creators Podcast. Today on the show, we have Julianne Guanasso. Julianne, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I am super excited for our conversation today. I'm really passionate about our topic, but before we jump in, I'd love if you could just share with our listeners who you are, a little bit about your story, how you got to be doing what you're doing now. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. Um, and so in my process of getting my licensure hours and being more in like a, a larger setting, I felt like I, I continued to kind of see this need for support for leaders. So even though we were all therapists working together, where you think we'd have like the best relationships and everything would be just so smooth. Um, I feel like a lot of therapists actually experience the opposite of that. Um, and so a lot of our workplaces can be places that actually um, might make us feel very disempowered or feel really burnt out. And so over time, I just really found myself drawn to wanting to like really reset that system. So 
as all of our stories go, wound up in leadership and like quickly humility found me very fast. Um, and a lot of the ideas of what I thought like good leadership was quickly kind of got turned on its head. And so from there, um, it just kind of uh, grew into this this um, process of really wanting to like refine that and also really provide and offer support to small business owners, to therapists, um, to really figure out what does good leadership feel like to them and how to really like lean into that and create psychologically safe workplaces. It's vitally important for our field of healthcare and alternative healthcare. And um, I love what you're doing. I love what you're passionate about. And um, I, I think this is probably one of the most important, if not the most important thing for clinic owners, group practice owners to be talking about and learning about. And um, I'm certainly out there preaching it whenever I can, because like you said, right, people, we just do not need to be having such bad experiences and harmful experiences in Mm -hmm. the workplace. That's what we're going to talk about today. So I'd love to know first why Mm -hmm. you feel that relational factors at work are so important to employee performance. Because I think, you know, the traditional way is to really stand in that profession, whatever society says is professional as a leader, right? And and steer away from the relational piece. Uh, but we know that it's so impactful to the employee's experience. So why do you feel it's so important? Yeah, I think, I mean, I love how you said that. Like, I think when we look, like, how did we get here, right? Like, when did we decide like a more uh, authoritarian, shielded masked self would create like a healthy work culture? And I feel like long term, we've now seen what those consequences are, which is like when you take away the humanity piece, or the fact that like, as service providers, we're still humans, and we don't address those things first and we're trying to operate from like this industrial revolution like machine standpoint it really does like strip away our our humanity and our ability to connect and we feel like we really do like close off our heart space for a lack of better word and just like power through and i feel like as a result of that we start to see all these other like burnout compassion fatigue um conflict at work not sharing your your truth at work even if it's like uh i want to adjust this policy or i don't know why we actually do client care in this way, I'm seeing like gaps, like I think even conversations like that um, can really impact how we move and operate. And so when you when you actually center relationships, I mean, I don't want to use the word ease, because nothing's ever easy with people. But I just feel like there's so much more ease in actually knowing what your like unified goals are. And so when you all know you're working towards similar goals, and you all know that you're centering the person and the work itself, there's just like a different flow and process versus we're just going to all try to focus on this goal. But really, I'm frustrated because I find when I ask you to do something, it's not done. And I feel like I always have to do it. Or I feel like I, I ask my team to do one thing, and then I they end up doing something completely different, or they have conflict around it. So it actually doesn't get done. So like, there's all these other things relationally that are really happening that aren't actually about the 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 practical steps of the work it's really the relational process that like gets in the way of our work and like so much of that comes up all the time 
And yet we're so afraid to like name it or say that it's there. And so we're always all like dancing around it. And that ends up just being really exhausting and really takes away from our ability to just, again, like what is this true goal that we're all like here to accomplish together? Exactly. I, it's so beautifully said. And I, you know, if people are coming to work and they are afraid to be who they are and to share their true selves personally and to build actual relationships, that is so much more exhausting, like you said, than actually just naming it and saying, hey, look, when you said that thing at the meeting the other day, I just felt so dismissed and I know it wasn't your intention, but I want to give you that feedback because like, I want to make sure we're in alignment with each other. Right. And, and that it's, it's, a it's easier said than done too. Right. It's a difficult skill yes. to be able to go to someone and say, Hey, this is the impact. But if we're able to create that culture as leaders, then our employees can focus on the actual work, right? And and give more of their time and energy to the patient, which is exactly. what we're trying to do. Mm -hmm. So, and oh, I was just, when you were talking, I was thinking too, when employees come into a healthy work environment from these other types of work environments that are that are all too common in our field, especially for mental health, there is, and I don't know if you've experienced this, but I was talking with a client this morning about this. There's a um, a bit of a culture shock experience, mm -hmm. and the oftentimes the employee has a hard time trusting yeah. that this could be a good thing. And this happens over and over at our clinic, where people will say, "Oh, I'm just I'm still trying to settle in. This feel this is feels a little too good to be true here. I'm not mm -hmm. sure if I can trust it." right? Mm -hmm. I'm curious if you've experienced that in your group. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's interesting, right? It's almost like a testing process, right? Like it makes yeah. me think of like, you know, as a group, like the stages of group formation and stuff. But beyond that, it's, it is very much a this has to be too good to be true. And I almost find that in those cases, if they're not committed to like, being vulnerable and taking that risk, then often their journey in employment is looking for the thing that validates the like, this can't be real and this can't be true. And so then at some point they can almost be committed to misunderstanding you. And so you can even know that like, Hey, I know I set up my employee for all the things to create the kind of environment that I'm looking to create. And we know that other people experience it, but if they're not willing to like acknowledge like where they came from and how that impacted them, um, I know, th obviously, the word uh, trauma gets way uh, misused uh, these days. But like, if we're going to say little t trauma, these relational ruptures and moments where we don't repair, and we just take them into our next like uh, employment, I really do think it's really hard to um, really ask them to take that risk if they're still at that point of like, nope, it's not safe to do so. And 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 obviously, we can't like, Force that on them. You know, we can't even really ask that. We can invite them um, and to consider that and to consider a different kind of experience. Yet I find with employees, they have to be able to meet you halfway. And so I think even with leaders, you know, they might set up, do all the right, quote unquote, right things, do all the setup. And if the employee's not willing to meet you halfway or even 
30% or 40% of the way, it's going to just consistently like not match. Yeah. Yeah. And there, you know, this is maybe for another day, but there's also, you know, kind of strategies we can use as leaders as we're interviewing people Mm -hmm. to join our team that can help us suss out like, where is this person at in their experience, their general experience of an employee, uh, you know, in whatever position they were in previously and how, you know, how aware are they of the impact of that Mm -hmm. and how committed are they to having, you know, a different experience? Yeah. I think also like getting used to talking about work culture with your people and, and even saying like, kind of putting on them, like what parts of this is like, do you own? And like, here's what I'm willing, like as the owner, here's what I'm willing to like set forth or as like one of the main leads, here's what I'm willing to like offer or, or center, right? Like if we want to center compassion or generosity in the workplace, let's say, here's all the things that I'm going to do to center and contribute to that. And here's what I'm needing from you. Here's how you can meet me in your role. What are you willing to do and what are you not willing to do? And I think that that changes the conversation. I always make the joke um, that like sometimes I feel like employees think you're like a Netflix subscription where like their view is like, what are you going to do for me? Um, And there's like that mentality and it's like trying to like shift that and be like, okay, this is really like, um, I don't want to use the word co-creation, but it is, it's like, we're, we're collaborating together to create the space. And that equally takes you and I to be intentional about the environment we want to create and how we show up. It's, it can't just be on you. That's not fair. And that can happen in a lot of places too, right? Where the employees are trying to create that kind of environment and leadership's not on board and vice versa. I feel like with a lot of leaders who are really willing and open to do that, so many employees who don't trust that aren't willing to like meet them. So it's definitely that yeah. collaborative process. Yeah. yeah. And it's like the core of it is that we're hu- human beings and we're in relationship and we work, yeah. we work in a human business, right? Yeah. We're, right. we're, we're literally um, helping others. We're helping mm-hmm. other people and we're in relationship all the time. So mm-hmm. how do you feel that a work, your work culture can differentiate your practice and business and actually become, you know, one of those, the one of the things that draws people to your team. Yeah. I mean, I definitely do believe that your, your work culture will drive your practice and your ability to differentiate yourself because a employees want to stay. And so there's something that draws that in that longevity or that, that building of recreating something. And they want to bring in other good people who want to do the work and want to contribute in the same way. Um, and so those conversations, when they feel really connected to the purpose and they feel like a sense of loyalty where they see how they're being honored and they see how they get to uniquely contribute, like, you know, I think about all the employees who like had better ideas than I did or who yeah. saw gaps that I would have never seen because I wasn't doing their day-to-day part of their job. And so when I think about what that means, when they know they get to uniquely contribute, like what they see or what they notice, and they know that there's space for that, there really does create this like culture that's sustainable. So when people, so when you're not in the room, basically, it's it, your culture is being taken care of for you whether that's like totally outside of the workplace and someone's like, Oh my gosh, we have an opening. You totally want to come work here. It's like worth your investment. It's worth your time. It's worth your contribution. Or if it's actually 
within your um, practices chats or like texts or whatever that looks like, right? Um, where people are actually like standing up for saying like, this is who we are as a group and this is how we work. And it's like upholding those shared values, even when you're not in the room. Yeah. And, you know, the kind of measure, right, to know like, well, have we created it? Have we created that work culture where people want to be here and they know the values and they, um, they're actually going out and getting their mm-hmm. colleagues from past, you know, relationships to come join the team because they, you know, they believe in it so much. And it's, it's exactly what you're saying, right? If the model's being upheld when you're not in the room. Um, but if the, the thing that I always notice is if we have a new employee, who is sitting in the room in the all team meeting and is speaking out like in about the values and Mm -hmm. about the company. And then I know, okay, we, we did our, we did a good job, right? We did a good job with the onboarding. Everything's clear. They're seeing this structure and these values modeled in the room from day one. And that seasoned, provider is taking this other provider under their wing Mm. and reassuring them into the culture. And that's when I feel like, okay, you know, it's working and it's, it's shining through. And especially when people go out and find their friends to come join the team. Yeah. And what I love what you said is like, it's, it's not naming values to be performative or just to um, try to use them. It's like, these are actually like, in action things that are happening and that you can actually see. And it's like almost like this golden thread, like you said, from the beginning of like the interview process to the onboarding um, to like the little things in your meetings, there's just a way to kind of tie that thread through all of that. So everyone like really knows what those are and knows how to like, Oh yeah, this is how I can actually show up to support these specific values. This is when I know we're like in flow and we're all like, again, going towards those same goals. Yeah. By this point in the conversation, the listeners are wondering, right, well, how do I, what type of leader do I need to be, right, Mm -hmm. to to make this happen for my team and my business? And, you know, we both know there's not one right way to be a leader, but I'm curious your take on that. Yeah. So I, I do think that, like, some people have this perception that, like, you're either a leader or you're not and forget that it's, like, a skill that you need to develop, like, anything And granted, if it's not something you're like interested in, if it doesn't like light you up, if you don't have like vision for it, it can be hard to like really hone in on that skill and practice it. Um, And I think that when you know this is something you want to do, if you have a larger vision, if you know you need to bring more people into that to create the impact you're looking for, it is reframing that of this is a skill. I really want to understand the impact I'm making and really focus more on like, how are we moving forward together as a group process. And so um, the way my business partner and I, I like to talk about it is like, we tend to find like themes. So we talk, we call them the five leadership archetypes. And so it's like five themes where we see different leaders tend to lean into things that specifically cultivate their influence and their trust over their people. And it's things that they don't even realize are actually hard for other people. Like, so for something for me, that might be kind of challenging, like maybe sometimes I can be less clear, or maybe sometimes I can struggle with giving like specific actionable steps to one of the leadership archetypes for them. That's like, so 
common sense that you would be like, you just let them know exactly what needs to happen. But yet for that same leader, uh, we call them like the authenticator archetype, they may struggle with maybe checking in on the emotional pulse of their employees, or they may struggle carving out time in their meetings to actually like give space for feelings or um, needing to process through like a change policy or something like that. And so um, it's knowing like, where do I really shine and like cultivate trust and psychological safety? And it's just easy and I can lean into it. And what are the areas that I tend to like skip over and avoid? Um, and how do I also a tag in someone else to lean into those um, abilities and strengths? Or how do I kind of stretch myself to do something a little bit different, even if it feels uncomfortable? Okay, so let's talk about humanity and vulnerability as leaders. And why do you feel that we have to center these things, right, for ourselves and for our team? And how does that look? You know, I think I get asked a lot about how to do that, but also still be professional. So I think there's a lot there, but I'm curious your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, as soon as we step away from like the human piece or the humanity piece, um, we tend to forget that like emotional pulse is there. So even if we're not naming it, if we're afraid to name it, it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. It doesn't mean it's not in the room with us. And so I think it's like changing that perspective of like, it's okay to name it when we all already know it's there. You know, if there's like, if you're in a like all team meeting and there's clearly like some upset or something happening, or maybe there was a rupture that just happened like a week or two prior, if we're still not naming it, we also know it's there. We're just, again, we're masking and talking around it. So I do think there's power in addressing it. And you're right, like boundaries have to be considered because quickly you can end up almost processing and talking too much, right? So there definitely is a balance here. And it's like knowing what those parameters are. I actually think every team is different. I almost feel like every team creates their own personality. It's so interesting how you can talk one-on-one with an employee and they'll say one thing. And then you're in the group with them like two hours later and they're talking about something almost completely different from what they just said. And it's like, they're not actually being inauthentic. It's just like that group mentality kind of takes over and gets influenced and makes them think of like other thoughts or ideas. So I think it depends on your team. Is your team one that tends to not be honest and tends to mask and like withhold? Well, then maybe it's like leaning more into like, okay, like how do we actually like center transparency or authenticity here? Um, and share more about what's going on. If if your team tends to be one who maybe goes down the rabbit holes and gets caught in that emotional process or overly talking, perhaps in that case, you're leaning into the, okay, let's uh, set aside the next like five minutes to really like talk through this. And then let's be mindful. So we make sure we hit on these other like agenda points. So we don't um, overly give space to just talking process. And so I think I think that's what's so difficult about leadership, right? It's so nuanced and it really depends on who's in the room. And as soon as you like onboard a new employee, all those dynamics can really shift, which is why I think even a leader who's been doing it for over a decade can still say, I have no idea what to do in this situation, or I feel really stuck, or this is like really depleting because I think those dynamics are consistently shifting. And so you have to kind of meet your people where they're at and also kind of gauge internally, what's like showing up for me, what feels good for me, what, where do I think we really need to go? Um, and where are we holding back? Yeah, I, I always say, you know, if I'm feeling it in the room, everyone else is feeling exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. 
So if there's just no point in not addressing it, um, and we can do that tactfully, but mm-hmm. it it has to be said, or that's what the group is going to be stuck on. Exactly. Know? Um, so the way we navigate this on our team is, uh, we meet every week as an, uh, all staff. And so we have different themes and focuses each week and it's about making, and this is something that I feel is, um, an important practice in being like a trauma informed, um, having a trauma informed approach to leadership Mm -hmm. and, um, your business in general. Uh, but is to let people know what to expect for the meeting yeah, and so that they know coming in, like, this is going to be a day where we are going to do some personal and professional um, check-ins and sharing what's going well and sharing what's been challenging. And we're going to do a bit of processing or personal sharing so that they can prepare for that and decide their own boundary around it. And then they can prepare for the next week when, hey, this is really focused on on patient care coordination this week. So, you know, we're going to, we're going to save the other stuff for another day. Um, and that, that piece feels important and it helps with the, with the flow of things, right? Because at the end of the day, we're here to serve patients and we're here mm-hmm. to do a job. And so we honor, you know, all parts of ourselves and how we show up in relationship. And there has to be structure around that too. Exactly the and, right? And what I love about what you shared too is like you're defining for them, here's how I'm inviting you to show up in this meeting. And I think so often we forget to share what their roles are in the meetings. You know, sometimes when you introduce something, you actually need feedback right away. Sometimes when you introduce something, you're actually needing them to like try it for 30 days before we go down the like all the reasons why they think something's not going to work. Um, right. And so I think when you like help define the role and I love how you even differentiate the like, let's process through something versus um, like, let's actually like talk about like the patients and client care and like what we need to do there. I just think that really helps. Like you said, it, they now know, oh, this is how I'm supposed to show up in this meeting. This is what's being asked of me. Now I, I'm clear and I feel like I can participate more versus like not really knowing where this is going. Um, and I even love that you said the, like, they get to decide their own boundaries in that too. Um, cause again, it really is a them and us like collaborating and, and trying to, um, find middle ground. Yeah, for sure. Because, you know, as I said earlier, people will join our team and seriously come to me, you know, multiple times throughout the first few months and share, like, you know, there's that person that joins that will be just like ready and excited for the positive experience and the different work culture. And they'll just have a a lot of appreciation and, but be voicing, like, I've never been a part of a team like this, right? This Mm -hmm. is wild. This is different. And then there's the person that's like super hesitant to believe in it, that it's actually real. Um, So, you know, it's really important, like you were speaking about, um, you know, the different stages of group development earlier. And it's as leaders, keeping that in really keeping that in mind at all times, because, mm-hmm. and this is why I think psychotherapists do have a leg up sometimes in the healthcare environment as leaders, because we are trained in a skill set to understand human behavior, mm-hmm. um, but, but groups in particular. And so, 
Um, if you haven't heard of Tuckman stages, it's something that is a, you know, well-known uh, theory from psychology. And it's, it's important to kind of look at and it helps normalize for you, like, what's happening in your group when people join and leave, uh, because it, the dynamic does change each time. Um, which is why it's so important to give people space and permission to set their own boundary as they're coming into this new, awesome, healthy work environment. They might not be ready to share, you know, as much as the person next to them. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Julianne, this has been an awesome conversation. I feel like we could talk just all day. I love this topic. You have a fun giveaway for our listeners if you want to tell them about that. Yeah. So if you're curious about like how you uniquely influence your people, kind of like what your natural like skill set is in creating like trust and psychological safety, we do have a free leadership assessment um, that you can take. So you can find the assessment at leveluploaders.org um, and you'll be able to access that and find out what your unique influence and in leadership skills are. Wonderful. Uh, it seems like an awesome resource. And then if people want to work with you, um, how can they find you? What's yeah. the best way? Yeah. So um, you can find us on our Instagram, which is uh, Level Up Leaders. You can go to our website again, leveluploaders.org. Um, and we have different um, containers in which that we get to work with small business owners, group practice owners, um, and support you in really creating a workplace that not only feels good for your people, but genuinely actually like feels good for you as well. Julianne, thanks so much for being here. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks so much for listening to the Wellness Center Creators Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Please visit our website at wellnesscentercreators.com for more show notes and additional episodes. By the way, I love hearing from listeners. Please send me an email at Kendall, K-E-N-D-A-L-L, at wellnesscentercreators.com with your feedback. And if you send me a question, maybe I'll read it on the show, anonymously, of course. Thanks so much again for listening, and we'll catch you next time on the Wellness Center Creators Podcast. Podcast.